You're listening to Titan Nature's Yellowstone, a podcast for those that don't get out, can't get out, or can never get enough. Sponsored by Think Tank Photo. Think Tank Photo designs camera carrying solutions for working professionals. Thanks for joining me on another episode today. I was trying to decide what to talk about. You know, in the past, I've done these interviews with people. I'd like to do that again. It is tough um, reaching out to people and trying to to find people that can do that. Hopefully, I got some things in the works coming up. A couple things I want to first point out, uh, the giveaway with our sponsor, Think Tank Photo. It is now closed. Uh, I appreciate all those that did go in and enter into that. Uh, I will be announcing the winners on the next episode, December 2nd. So if you want to find out if you won, tune in next week, December 2nd. I'll be announcing the winners for those camera bags. I want to talk about wildlife. And I know I've talked to the wildlife and kind of done some in-depth where to find animals in the past. But I'm going to narrow it down here. We're going into winter. Now we've had a foot of snow on the ground here in Island Park where I'm at for the last, I don't know, it seems like it's been there for for a month or, you know, I think it's. It almost has been. And right now, today, it is predicted that we're going to get 11 inches of snow. I don't think that's going to happen, but you never know. Uh, That is the current prediction. So we will find out. Uh, So with all of that snow that we're getting, and this time of year, uh, the the winter wildlife is a little different. Uh, How they act, where they're at, what they do. So I want to kind of focus on wildlife in the winter, where to find them, their behavior, what they're doing. Some animals that, you know, may pass by and not even think about in the summer. For example, uh, moose and otters in the summer in Yellowstone. I get requests a lot for those, and it's not something that's going to happen. So I'm going to get in and talk about some winter wildlife. And, you know, if there are people that you would like to hear on this podcast, or if there are certain topics or places or things that you would like me to talk about, please reach out. Send me a message on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, my email, info at tiedtonature.com. Let me know, and I will try to tailor this to what people are interested in listening to. I'm trying to mix it up some. You know, I'm still going to be going over areas in the park. I'm trying to do some wildlife, working on getting some interviews. Anyways, let's get into winter wildlife. I'm going to start, surprisingly, with bears. Bears are hibernating, right? Well, for the most part, they probably are or will soon be. I would guess most of the black bears are hibernating. Sometimes grizzly bears are a little later on the hibernation, and and not all grizzly bears, some grizzly bears. There are some grizzly bears that actually have learned to follow the wolves in the wintertime. What they're following the wolves for is for food. Wolves are great hunters. Wolves are going to take something down. Bears are going to come in and take it away. That happened a couple years ago. I know that there was some video out there of a, a grizzly bear in Yellowstone, I had friends posting of wolf tracks followed by bear tracks, and there are some videos and things in January. So sometimes they will stay out longer. Um, if there's hunting seasons around the park and the bears know there's gut piles, bears will be out longer. So this time of year, for example, if I was to go back and check my trail cameras uh, where I live here in Island Park, uh, if you're not familiar with where I live in Island Park, Idaho, I'm a 40 a 40-minute drive to West Yellowstone, which is the entrance to Yellowstone National Park. Um, As the crow flies from this area, I'm a lot closer to the park. I would take bear spray with me. Uh, Yes, there's snow on the ground. Um, Not till the 1st of December, 
that I feel comfortable that I'll put a bird feeder up in my yard just to be cautious on that. So uh, it's that time of year that there's still possibility of bears. And this year, like last year, actually, there is a black bear den that is visible from a pullout. I'm not going to mention the specific one. Maybe a lot of people are already familiar with this and know it's out there. If you're going to Yellowstone and are interested in it, feel free to message me again, and I'd be happy to share that location where you can look for that app. Anyways, there's a, a black bear den. You look down this hill, and you actually can look into the den. Uh, it's hard to see what will happen this year with it. Last year, it, uh, this bear had, the bear that used this had two cubs in there, and they would come out occasionally and go back in. Very unique to be able to have a den like that. It was a very light winter last year, so that's why these cubs were out and back and forth. Not very often, but occasionally they would. And so it's, you never know, maybe this black bear will come out, do a little stretch, see what's going on and go back in. So it is possible, not very likely to see bears in the wintertime. And I I should mention that's going into the winter, coming out of the winter. Uh, I've seen bear tracks, grizzly bear tracks in Yellowstone and the geyser basins in late February. And usually the first bear is seen somewhere in March. So the male bears, typically the big males, uh, will wake up first and they're looking for food sources. Often there's winter killed animals. Uh, there's carcasses in the geyser basins and throughout the park. And those bears are looking for that. So bears are hibernating only based off of a lack of food. So if there's a food f- source for them, they will be out. And so bears are not very likely. It's still an animal that can be active at parts of the wintertime. So from bears, let's, let's move into wolves. Wolves are what attract a lot of people to Yellowstone in the wintertime. We had, you know, comparatively, there's not as much of the park open. It's harder to access, but it's a great time of year to see wolves. Now, primarily the wolves are going to be seen on the northern range. The two biggest reasons is one, that is where the majority of the wolves are. Uh, two, it's the most accessible place in the park as far as you could go in and you could drive your car out to Lamar Valley throughout the wintertime, where through most of the park, you have to go in through snow coaches and snowmobiles and if you're not familiar with that, listen to the start of season two, and I talk a little bit more about what to expect in the winter in Yellowstone. Wolves are more visible up north. Going in on a snow coach or snowmobile in the southern part of the park, you're not as likely to see wolves. It's a lot harder. Well, I've taken a lot of photographers into the park, and they might spend two or three days, and we might get lucky, or it just might be tracks. And that's actually something I wanted to mention. Tracks, I should mention that real quick. I was going to start this off mentioning tracks. Now, what I mean by tracks is Footprints in the snow, uh, animals leaving behind tracks in the snow. I love that about Yellowstone. Be able to be driving down the road on the snow coach, you're going 25 miles per hour, looking out the window and looking for tracks, looking for signs. And so, I mean, that's one of the things that I'm always looking for to find wolves in the wintertime is tracks. Tracks tell you that they've been around recently or they've been, it's been a while since they've been here. So tracks are very convenient. That's one of the things I love about the snow, winter in Yellowstone, seeing the tracks of the different animals. But anyways, with wolves, that's, you know, one of the things we're looking for, a lot more consistent up north. And the big reason for that is because the their diet, uh, the big portion of their diet is elk. And the elk migrate, and most of them leave Yellowstone, which when I talk to elk about elk, I'll get more into that. For example, this Last couple of years, um, well, for always, I guess, this Wapiti Lake Pack that is kind of on the interior of the park. You know, I have seen them in the wintertime anywhere from West Yellowstone to Canyon to Mammoth. 
down to the lake to Old Faithful. I mean, they just have a huge range they cover. And I think that primarily is trying to find a food source. So they have a huge area. It's hard to say when they're going to be where, but occasionally you get them on the interior. And then up north is going to be best because you have multiple wolf packs. And of course, the Junction Butte Pack, which is surrounding the Lamar Valley area, is the most consistent. But at the same time, this time of year, the wolves is different than the summertime. In the summertime, they have their puppies, they have a rendezvous. Wolves have to come back and forth to the den. Not the same thing in the wintertime. They're traveling as a pack. You know, they might be here for a few days. They might all of a sudden end up somewhere else. They might be outside the park. In general, you're most consistently going to see wolves on the northern range. During that time, one of the things that happens is you get some dynamics that are changing in the packs or not partially changing or developing. It's their breeding season. And I've heard is February 14th is kind of the peak breeding season for wolves in Yellowstone. So that's a unique behavior to look for in their winter in Yellowstone. You know, seeing the hierarchy of the wolves, you know, the the females that are in heat uh, flaunting their tails and trying to show off, you know, what males is going to be dominant. Because there's so much that's going on with these wolf packs. It's not always the what we call the alphas that breed. Um, you could have multiple wolves within a pack, depending on the dynamics of that pack, the size of the pack, what's happening, all kinds of things play into who's going to breed in this pack. Anyway, so, and then, I mean, that's a huge story in itself because then, you know, it's a different story once the puppies are born and survival with them and who takes care of who. Anyways, it's a huge thing. I'm not going to get into all of that. I'm actually trying to get somebody that works with wolves in Yellowstone to come in, uh, do an interview and talk a little about wolves and maybe get into some more on those details of the wolves. And with that, you know, the other things that happens is you have a, a big pack gone through the summertime, puppies are getting older, and you're going to have, you know, this is a great time to split that breeding season. You know, look for single females, look for single males. You don't want to be part of 30 wolves or, you know, a pack of 30, or it's hard to support a pack of 30. And so oftentimes if wolves are going to split up, this is a time to do it. Um, other things about wolves in the winter is going into the winter time. It's a little tougher for them. They get this fresh snow. Uh, elk are still healthy. It's a little tougher hunting. But as it goes later in the year, the elk start to deteriorate in their health. That thick, that deep snow starts to starts to warm up a little bit in February. Then it freezes at night and gives wolves the advantage of running over the snow. Whereas elk and bison and the, the things that they prey are going to be breaking through that snow. Wolves do grow extra snow or extra snow. They grow extra fur around their feet that do allow their feet, their toes, allow some sort of, I guess you could say like snowshoe to better walk on the snow. They also get thicker winter coats. I think wolves look best in the winter. They get these beautiful thick coats to keep them warm, like many of the animals do. So wolves in Yellowstone, where you want to look for them is the Northern Range, focusing around, I would say, the Lamar Valley area. If you're going into the interior of the park, where do you want to look? That's a great question, especially with this this pack down there. There's nothing consistent. They could be anywhere from Hayden Valley to Fountain Flats. Uh, I would just recommend looking for tracks. And, and when I look for tracks for wolves, uh, I'm I'm looking for more than just footprints. You see the footprints going. I'm also looking for yellow patches of snow. 
sometimes what happens is the wolves use the road at night. It gets groomed. The tracks are gone maybe in the morning or it snows and the tracks are gone. But they'll find a lot of times edges and maybe a high spot where they're actually going to urinate along the way, you know, scent marking. And you can see that. And it, it's not always, well, you know, it, maybe it's a coyote or something else. But, you know, it's one of those things that I'm watching for, just little clues of, of what's going on. So that's, that's wolves in the wintertime. Again, primary diet is elk. They'll eat more bison as well. And with that, let's, let's go on to bison. Uh, bison, are, bison in the wintertime are incredible. I mean, they truly are. I love seeing bison in the wintertime. There's, there's multiple things. Let me, let me give you a little history first. So bison migrate, um, like many of the animals. And bison on the northern range, they'll kind of be throughout the northern range, but some of them will migrate out towards Gardner, Montana. On the southern side of the park, a lot of them leave Hayden Valley. Some years you may not find any out there. Last year, uh, it was a light snow year. We could still find a lot of bison in Hayden Valley. But then you're going to get them very consistently through the geyser basins. So from Old Faithful, you know, through Biscuit Basin and Midway, and you'll get them along the Madison River, and they do migrate out, out towards the West Yellowstone area as well. And you'll see signs north of West Yellowstone, warning of bison on the roads or in the area. So that's, you know, whereas in the summertime, you're more consistently around Lamar Valley, closer to Lamar Valley for the bison, and kind of the focus in the Hayden Valley area although they move around different spots. In the winter, it kind of changes. They seem to spread out more along the north. and the south, they're more through the geyser basins and out on that Madison, out towards the west of the park, where you're going to find the bison. So with that, well, one of the reasons that they do that, that they're moving, is because they're trying to get away from the deep snow. Uh, they're trying to get to areas with less snow, which provides better opportunities for them to forage, to find something to graze. The thermal areas in the park are great for that because you do have hot spots. You have warm areas where the snow melts. Not only does it make it easier for the travel, but it also makes it easier to find food. And then as you go from Hayden Valley to, let's say, the Madison area to West Yellowstone, you're dropping in elevation. And so there's going to be less snow as well. And the same thing from Lamar Valley out to Gardner, Montana. You're dropping in elevation, you're going to find less snow in that Gardner area. So that's kind of why the bison are moving. Now, when the bison move into the thermal areas, just incredible things happen. As far as the bison are in those thermals or even next to the rivers, anywhere you have that moisture in the air, moisture's coming off the river, the moisture's coming out of the ground on the thermals, and that moisture freezes to the bison and they turn into icicles. Uh, that's one of my favorite things to see. Just incredible. You know, it's the bison have such thick winter coats that the snow doesn't melt off. That, that snow stays or the ice or the whatever it is will stay on top of the bison because they're so well insulated. That warm, that warm air, that warm the warmth of the bison is not melting off that that snow and ice from them. And so if you've seen pictures of that, if you follow my Instagram or Facebook account, I've recently Posted some pictures like that. Pretty incredible to see. That's one of the things I love is just the bison in the snow and they're snow covered. And, you know, the other reason that they'll get snow on them is because you have this really deep snow and they're trying to get through the, to the food, which is below the snow. 
And so other animals, you know, they might paw at the ground. Bison are going to stick their head in the snow and sweep it back and forth. And that's the, the bison moving the snow to get down to grasses. Well, when they put your head in the snow, they get a face full of snow. And their face will be covered in snow. So just, it's beautiful. It's neat. At the same time, I mean, this is, it's a survival thing. The bison are putting their head in the snow and moving it back and forth. And that's how they're trying to get their food. And whatever food they do find, it's usually dead. It's not very nutritious, but it's enough to keep their digestive system going. So bison in the wintertime can lose 30% of their body weight, which also makes them very susceptible to, well, not only the winter and the cold, but also to predators like the wolf. They become more vulnerable that way as they're, they're losing that energy. Uh, you know, another thing with the bison foraging that you'll see is they will get right in the rivers. I mean, those rivers don't bug them as far as temperature or when they get out, their fur freezing. Because along the edges of the river is a great place to get some vegetation without having to work it as much. You know, you still move some of that snow, but it's a lot easier to access for the bison along the edges of the river. Uh, which, which I think is pretty neat. These animals um, learning and, you know, are passing this on or knowing these type of things. Now, going with bison as far as tracks, bison tracks are pretty, pretty obvious. Big, straight troughs or lines through the snow where the bison follow one after another. You know, usually matriarch led where it breaks the trail and the others follow. On the roads, just like actually in the summertime, there are what I call landmines all over the place. And the reason I call them that is they're soft. They yeah, go over them with a big wheel or a track, they kind of splatter. Or if they're hard, you know, they freeze. And you hit that, it's a pretty good bump. And then, you know, they kind of track up the road really good as well um, when they're moving down the road. And, you know, one of the neat things in the winter times, you get the bison on the roads in the summer, but not like the winter going down, especially if you're on a snowmobile. You're coming and you got a herd of bison coming to you, or you're following a herd of bison. You got to pass just intimidating, incredible, and that could be next to these big animals. Having bison at that close quarters, and they don't want to get off the road. Um, and later in the year, as it gets into the February, March, they're kind of tired of getting, you know, the traffic on the road and they're ready for a break. So that's bison, incredible animal. I mean, it's. It's one I think if people aren't coming to the park to see in the wintertime, they should be. Bison are pretty incredible. Uh, elk and their migration. Let's talk about elk and their movements. And they go north, south, east, and west. I believe they go out towards Cody. They go down to Jackson. They'll go out to Ennis or Big Sky area. Then they'll go up north. And you'll see them on the northern range and north of there. Now, on that southern side of the park, occasionally you'll see an elk somewhere in the interior. It's... I just imagine got lost or was late or maybe kind of like I heard here in Island Park recently, people snowmobiling and came across a few cows that never got off the range. You know, just got somewhere, it snowed, nobody knew about them. So same type of thing, you know, elk uh, stayed around too long, it snowed and maybe they got stuck in there. Along the Madison range, we used to have a herd of elk and I think they still say that there's a wintering herd through there. Typically, they're not visible in the wintertime. Um, I know a lot of people blame that on uh, the wolves. Uh, it, it's one of those things that, yeah, I'm sure wolves have an impact on it, but there's enough other things going on, a change of habitat due to fires in that area. You know, maybe it's 
that those elk learned, hey, it's a lot nicer over in Ennis and there's not two feet of snow on the ground out there. Let's let's head that way. Who knows? Not as not as many elk or really not seen any elk on there the last couple of years. Going up uh, north uh, along that northern range, you can see elk. And again, that's why the wolves are active. You know, one of the things the wolves are actively hunting up north is is the elk in the wintertime. And that's why that Wapiti Lake pack that I mentioned heads north and goes that direction because that's where your most consistent place to see elk are. Now, one of the things I want to mention with elk is they will have their antlers through the wintertime. So they're not dropping their antlers until the end of the winter, which is, you know, huge for the elk, the bull elk kind of as protection, although they do lose some of that advantage. You know, you have these elk that have, especially the bulls, as they are in the rut and they may not be focused on eating, you know, they go into winter, it's kind of early like this year, and it might be harder for them through the winter time. The elk are moving, you know, they lose the advantage as that snow gets deep. Well, I didn't, well, I shouldn't say as it gets deep. They have that advantage early in the year. They have the longer legs. Um, they do better in the deeper snow. And then once you get further into the year, they start breaking through that crust and the wolves are moving on top. Elk have lost weight because the same as the bison, you know, they don't have that great vegetation this time of year. So their their health is dwindling through the winter. They have that disadvantage of breaking through Disadvantage also if rivers are frozen. They like to go to the rivers to to get away from predators. And so they, you know, they have some advantages early on. Later in the year, they can lose some of those advantages. And the elk population really dwindles in the wintertime. They say the the winter herd in Yellowstone is about 8,000. And it's hard to compare that to the summertime. They say 10 to 20,000. I asked Doug Smith about this once, and you know, it's one of those things, don't quote him on it, but just as a guess. Um, he he said, you know, maybe around 14,000. That was a couple years ago. So I know that number fluctuates. Population drops in the wintertime. You can, you can find elk really on that northern range. I want to talk about moose as well. Moose is one of those that I mentioned. You don't see really in the summertime, very, very little where you see them. You don't see them very often. Whereas in the wintertime, they will actually drop in elevations you know, that doing that migration like other animals, and you'll see them congregating in areas where you get multiple moose in one area. And kind of the best place for that is the very far into Lamar Valley than leaving Lamar Valley um, out along Pebble Creek, or excuse me, uh, the Pebble Creek area, Soda Butte Creek, is kind of the best place to see moose at all, you know, any time in the, in the park is during the wintertime, that area. Now, one of the things with the bull moose is the bull moose drop their antlers January-ish. So they're one of the very first to drop antlers. So you're not going to see, you're not as likely to see uh, the big bulls with their antlers. You know, in November, December, you can still see some of that. You know, with the moose population in general, it's very small. I know that they say below 200. I've heard, talked to some park rangers that say it's below 100, but, you know, below 200 safe. It's not a great population, but, you know, there's been times in Yellowstone where I've seen 15 of them together, kind of within an area. They're not all hanging out, but, you know, they go where the food is, you know, the willows are. One of the things about the, the moose, they don't do too bad in the deeper snow. Their legs are actually double-jointed, which allows them to lift those legs up and over and get through the snow. And, you know, I say that migration, some of them come down. There are some that come down. Other moose will stay in those higher elevation areas in the mixed forest of the fir and spruce 
and actually go from tree well to tree well. The the areas underneath the trees that the tree branches provide some cover for, they will use those areas and they can benefit some from the, the fir trees. And so there are moose. And if you want to see moose in Yellowstone, definitely winter's definitely the time to see that. Let's go into some of these smaller animals, uh, coyotes. Coyotes become a lot more visible in the wintertime. A lot of these animals, wolves and bears, and a lot of animals are crepuscular. People aren't typically as familiar with that term. Basically, it means that they are active at dawn and dusk. And that's how coyotes are. It's through the summertime. But a lot of these animals that uh, are crepuscular or active in the the night are going to be more active in the daytime because that's when it's warmest out. Uh, And that's the, the best time for them to be out. Coyotes are a lot more visible. You'll see pairs a lot more. Same type of breeding season as as the wolves, you know, mid-February. And so it's not uncommon to see multiple coyotes in an area. Coyotes, you see them all over the place. One of the things through a lot of Yellowstone, there's a lot of rivers. Some of those rivers freeze over. Some of them don't. Even those that freeze over still have some open areas. And those coyotes spend a lot of time along the rivers. Uh, And the reason why is because that's where they're finding their food source, big food source for them, which is waterfowl and muskrats for that matter. And so the the waterfowl becomes a pretty good diet. They'll follow the rivers looking for options of things to eat. So, and I say waterfowl, they will go for the ducks, they'll go from Canada geese, and they will go for trumpeter swans as well, which that is incredible to me to have such a big, powerful bird with such a big wingspan. These coyotes go after and, and do that. And they'll go right in the river after them. And something that, I don't, you know, people might have heard this before, people might not have of, is at one time in Yellowstone in the wintertime, and BBC, I believe it was, with Doug Gardner, I think it was a program called The Great Rivers of the World, and they highlighted the Madison River with these coyotes that were actually fishing. It was just, you know, I saw it once, I didn't see anything successful, but there was a coyote out in the middle of the river, and it was actually stalking fish. It was just incredible. Nobody's quite sure where they learned it from, where that behavior came from. But for a little while, we had some coyotes in the river fishing. Incredible to know. And again, it's that behavior. I love the behavior. Just incredible things like that. So oftentimes along the rivers, you'll get them out in the valleys as well. Those open areas when they're going for the rodents. And, you know, they're, they're one of those the predators going to take advantage of anything. But uh, what we see a lot of is... Along the rivers for waterfowl, you do see them hunting, doing the pouncing into the snow. And then the other one is carcasses. You know, when wolf has a carcass, coyotes aren't usually taking down the bigger prey animals. Uh, They will, but when wolves go in, they'll get their share if they wander. Coyotes will show up in those areas and try to take advantage of that as well. Coyotes are a lot more visible. You know, it tracks, you know, wolf track is the biggest, and you have coyote, and then you have. Your fox tracks are really small. As far as coyote tracks, well, it's coyote and fox tracks. You know, they're different size feet. Let me say that uh, your coyote track is, you know, similar to probably the dog tracks you've seen. Uh, one of the things you'll notice with both coyote and fox tracks is it's out in an area, you know, this is really nice when there's fresh snow. It's like these tracks meander. that They have n- almost no purpose. They kind of go back and forth, and then there's a hole. And then they go back and forth, and there's a hole. And what's happening is these animals are kind of following their nose, their ears, and a lot of their ears, and listening for things under the snow. 
and then they're going to stop. They're going to pounce, maybe dig a little bit, hopefully come up with uh, you know a, a vole or some kind of rodent. They'll do that throughout the area. So you go by and be like, oh, coyote was here. And you can tell because these random tracks and these holes out there, usually a coyote or a fox. And based on the tracks, you know, what size of footprints they're leaving behind, you can tell if it's a coyote or fox. And so that's kind of their their status. You know, lots of coyotes, um, typically very easy to see in the wintertime. Let's go bobcat. Now, bobcat is one that a lot of people, well, a lot of people, a lot of photographers have come to the park and want to see. And that's kind of slowed down. I believe at one time they did an economic study for the town of West Yellowstone. I don't remember the exact number. It was somewhere close or just over $300,000 that the bobcats along the Madison River or in Yellowstone, that was about how much they were worth to the town. For people coming out from filming agencies to photographers, as people wanted to see bobcats. And that has changed the last few years. It's become very hard to see a bobcat. It takes a lot more work to see a bobcat. I think in the last couple years, I'm trying to think three, four years, I might have seen two. I've seen more tracks than that. The question is, is, you know, what has changed? It's hard to say on seeing bobcats. And well, let me give you some background first on the bobcats. They come down, same reason as the coyotes. They're along the river hunting waterfowl. They're not going to do as well as in the snow as maybe a snowshoe hare or a lynx at the high elevations. So they're going to drop down. They're going to be along the rivers and they will hunt waterfowl. They'll actually jump right in after a duck or goose or whatever, a muskrat there as well. You'd get them along the Madison River and occasionally the fire hole in the Gibbon River. It used to be a very common, I mean, the first year that I worked in the winter in Yellowstone, I think I saw Bobcat 10, 12 times. And that wasn't as good as years previous. I mean, years previous, it was just amazing the, the sightings and pe- things people had of Bobcats. The last couple of years hasn't been as good. Last year, I saw one on actually the road between Norris and Canyon, which is away from the rivers. So there'll be other areas. But it was the river and the waterfowl that really brought them into those areas. Now, what changed? It's hard to say. There's still, there's still waterfowl and plenty of it. The rivers are not frozen in those areas they hang out. But other things have changed. Uh, wolves in the area, that could do it. The fires back in 2016 changed their habitat, burnt down a lot of the smaller trees. That could do it. It could have to do with, you know, maybe it's been really good snowshoe hare populations in certain areas. It's Maybe it's the amount of people that were looking at them. It's hard to say what it is, um, but bobcats are not like they used to be. Everybody always hopes that uh, that change will go back. People are still looking. I know the last few years, is I mean, I've seen all kinds of tracks and followed the tracks. And what you're looking with bobcat tracks is that it's going to be a different shape than like your coyote. The toes are a little different. The pad is different. Um, something I look like to look for, and you'll get coyotes that do this as well, walking across the top of logs, especially at log jams or on the sides of the hills there. Pretty good cat behavior. You know, the, the bobcats will like to go right down into the log jams. And the, the bobcats are more of a ambush predator. So a bobcat's going to find somewhere. For example, this happened two days in a row, basically, a couple years ago, is following some bobcat tracks down the road and saw where it went to, and it went right into a log jam. No tracks came out. I said, hey, bobcat is in that log jam. We hang out. We'll see it. People aren't willing to wait around. We kept going. Came back a couple hours later. 
Cat came back out, went up the hill. It was unsuccessful. Next day, same thing happened. Bobcat. Today, the Bobcat is under that platform over there, a fishing platform along the Madison. Tracks go in, tracks don't leave. Waited for several hours. We left to warm up, got back. And as we got back, we saw the Bobcat going up the uphill with a duck. So what it does, it just sits there for hours waiting for an opportunity for their duck to come in. And they're very patient, jump out and get it. So that's what they're doing in the wintertime or they have in the past. And so following tracks, you know, and there's another time I, I follow tracks literally. I mean, they were, they were pretty fresh tracks. I don't think we saw them on the way in. I followed those everywhere. I think it ended up crossing the river or doing something. I mean, the thing was gone. So bobcats are a big draw in the wintertime. I know that up north along Mammoth, they've seen them in the past, but just nothing that's, that's very consistent anymore in Yellowstone. You're going to find a bobcat in Yellowstone. The Madison River is probably still the place. Uh, get into otters. Now, this is another one, kind of like the moose, that typically in the summertime, I mentioned, yeah, we're not going to see a moose. Well, this changes in the wintertime. And the big reason, the big change for that is the Yellowstone River and the Lamar River freezing over. And so with rivers that freeze over, there's less places for the the otters to go. And they will kind of hang out in areas or use certain holes and kind of be in the same areas. Not to mention, I go back to tracks. You can see their slides, you know, where the otters are using in different areas. The otters become easier to find in the wintertime. And I think also more people are looking for them. Like, for example, at Biscuit Basin, at the bridge there, people watch that area for otters because they, they've been seen. And so, and again, I think a lot of this is the guides and photographers that are in every day and, and know this information. They're looking for those. And so if you're constantly looking for something, you're going to see it more than you know, in the summertime when people aren't necessarily looking for it. And there's a lot more people, they are a lot more visible in the, the wintertime. Uh, really, it kind of the far into Lamar Valley. And then anywhere along the Yellowstone, the Chittenden Bridge through, well, down to the Hardy Rapids, I would say. There's a, probably a couple different families in there. So you have latrine sites the otters use, you know, so areas that they consistently visit. And they're going to be fishing in certain areas. One of the, the neat things with the otters is the the amount of area they can cover. And I guess one of the reasons, again, is in the wintertime they are courting, and otters can go miles cross-country over the land uh, away from the water, looking for different water sources, looking for the females. And I saw that last year where clear across fountain flats. So this otter went from, oh, I forgot the creek name over there, to fountain flats, clear to Nez Pierce Creek, across the flats there. Another time, just barely missed following a otter through Hayden Valley from, if you're familiar with Grizzly Overlook, a big hill in the middle of the valley, the hill down to Alum Creek. So, and then they can do the same thing underwater. I mean, so you lose them in the ice, and I think it's a mile they can go under ice, which is just incredible as well. So again, it goes back to these, these behaviors and these adaptations that these animals have. One of the things I did want to mention with otters is they will often get confused with muskrats. They, you know, have that kind of that that tail and seem swimming in the water. If you're not kind of like a coyote and wolf, if you're not familiar with the size and what you're looking for, you can confuse those two. Muskrats are a lot smaller. If they're slow, if they're eating grass or up on the you know in the grassy area, a couple places in the Madison, you'll see them pretty consistently. Otters have a big thick tail. 
I mean, not only that, I mean, they're just long, they're big. I mean, you see something the size of a rat, it's probably a muskrat. So otters, otters are just a lot easier to find in the wintertime. Foxes, Hayden and Lamar Valley are great places to see foxes. I love going to see foxes in the in Hayden Valley. I mean, there's some days that I've seen five or six out there in the wintertime. You know, same thing with coyotes. They're just more active in the wintertime, uh, during the day, I should say, in, in the day during the wintertime. And they're primarily hunting rodents. You know, they're going to stop. They're going to pause. And you're going to watch their head tilt back and forth. They're triangulating where the sound is coming from. They're going to do a big jump in the air, head first, down in the snow, trying to get those whatever rodent bull that they're going after. They're opportunistic. They will take advantage of whatever other opportunities out there. You know, dead animals to hares. Um, typically, most of the time you're seeing them going after things like the, the rodents. So foxes and, and Hayden and Lamar. And again, they're, they're big, bushy winter coats, big, bushy tails. A lot of the ones I've seen, it's surprising. They're not very concerned with people. They're, I think they're focused on hunting. There are some that are, you know, as soon as you drive up in the snow coach, you know, they're gone. They go fast. But a lot of times, you give them their space and you'll be able to, especially from the coach, just be able to watch them without them running off, kind of watch their natural behavior there. Uh, weasels, long-tailed, short-tailed weasels. Often in the winter, they were both referred to as ermine, although only one of them that's actually an ermine. They turn white in the wintertime. And the big reason these are visible or you can find them in their wintertime is because of tracks. They're white. The snow is white. And you think, how can you find them? Seems like more often than not, I'm actually following their tracks, watching their tracks. And all of a sudden, boom, there's the weasel. This year in Island Park, I've actually had two dart across the road in front of me all, all ready. You know, same thing with foxes and coyotes is they're more active in the day because that's the, the better time to be out. Just need adaptations that they turn white in the winter. They're more of a brown in the summertime. They're going after rodents as well. The way they move through the snow is just incredible. I mean, they're bouncing along the top of the snow, and all of a sudden, boom, they disappear into the snow. Might stick their head up in that spot, kind of look around, go back down. They might pop up somewhere else. And they are fast little buggers. I mean, they just move. I've followed these things for a half mile, just take, looking at the tail the whole time, trying to keep up to wherever it was going. You know, the place that I have found, I've seen tracks throughout the whole park. You know, they see them up north. I've seen them, I've seen them in Hayden, tracks out, a lot of tracks out in Hayden, along the Madison River. I don't know what it is, but that's where I have photographed more weasels and seen more of them anywhere else. And it, I mean, you're just looking for a white hot dog with a black tip on its tail that is just bouncing around. And what their tracks look like is it's, um, what's that, a dumbbell? You're, you know, lifting weights. You know, just a small one of those. Imagine kind of putting it in the snow where you have kind of the two balls on one side and the bar that connects it across the top. And just a bunch of those in the snow is kind of what their tracks look like. Those are fun to see. And another member of the weasel family is the pine marten. Now, where do you want to go to find pine, pine martens? Sadly, it's the dumpsters. I mean, that's how it is. I mean, it's, oh, I'm not going to blame it on anybody, you know, keeping the trash or whatever. They are good at finding food. From dumpsters to getting into buildings in the wintertime, whatever it is, they know how to survive, I think. And so they're just going to be at those areas that are easy food like any animal. Sometimes it means a dumpster that didn't get sealed well, whatever it is. Although uh, occasionally, I mean, it seems like this last winter there was along the, along the Madison that some people, I know I got to see it chase the snowshoe hare. 
Other people saw one catch a, a snowshoe hare along there. And so you'll see them other places in the park, but typically, most of the time, it's a flash and they're gone. I like seeing their tracks. You know, they have a little longer foot track, five toes. You know, Martins are a tough one. It is one that people are looking for and hope to find in the wintertime. And also, I imagine just like I mentioned the other ones, they're just more active in the daytime. Uh, from that, let's actually go to snowshoe hare. Uh, I've seen some snowshoe hares throughout the year. You see the tracks all over the place in the wintertime, just along the roads everywhere. It's like there's a billion snowshoe hares out there. You never see them. They're another animal that's adapted and will turn white in the wintertime. And it's it's tough, but that's that's a primary diet of the snowshoe hares. And so it's one that you just, it seems like every time I've seen a snowshoe hare in the wintertime, it's because a pine martin has actually found it and then is chasing it. And so seeing snowshoe hare, it's it's lucky. You don't, you don't see very much of them, but we do have them. And with that, there's also white-tailed jackrabbits that anywhere from Gardner to Mammoth, I have seen them quite a bit. I actually saw this one last, one last spring that was at already turned colors at Mammoth. You do get them there. And it's one of those you watch out for. They're bigger, seem to be a little bit easier to find, probably because of the terrain that they're in than the snowshoe hares. We get those as well. Bighorn sheep, you know, the only place you're going to find them is up north. That's throughout the year. In the wintertime, you're going to get the rams that come down into lower elevations. And actually, this time of year, they're breeding, they're mating season. So you'll get them bashing heads this time of year. You know, where to see them is... Outside of Gardner, Montana, there's a road out that way. And actually on the highway into Gardner, Montana, you can find them. Then also in kind of the confluence area along the Lamar Valley or Lamar River and the Soda Butte Creek area, where you're going to be looking for bighorn sheep. You know, just because they're down doesn't mean they're going to be next to the road. Sometimes some of those areas, you're still looking up. They have predators as well, and they want to stay away from those. They will drop down. Uh, mountain goats are going to stay out. They're still going to be up in the cliffs. I don't think I've seen the mountain goats ever down low in the wintertime. Uh, they're going to be up in the cliff sides. So Baronet Peak and going out past Lamar Valley is where you're going to look for, for mountain goats at. And it gets tough when it snows and you got white on white. Um, watch for movement. And it seems like I think the mountain goats are kind of a little off-white or have that yellow, yellow tinge to them. So mountain goats you can still find. Uh, pronghorn, not really in, well, you're around Gardner, Montana is where you're going to look for them. Again, same place I mentioned the bighorn sheep kind of on the back roads and, uh, between Gardner and, uh, Livingston and also a lot of mule deer on that section of the road as well. And I, you know, I think that covers most of the big animals. There's quite a few different animals that are going to be hibernating from, you know, bears and skunks and ground squirrels and things, the the marmots, uh, badgers are all hibernating. So, you know, there's some animals that just aren't visible during the wintertime. You know, fish, uh, there's no fishing in the wintertime in Yellowstone. You know, I, sh- I should mention birds. Uh, I love the Slough Creek, not Slough Creek area, excuse me, the far end of Lamar Valley for golden eagles. So you can see golden eagles along all the rivers. You can see bald eagles. You get a lot of swans, a lot of different waterfowl from Golden eyes, buffalo heads, mallards, Canada geese, mergansers. I know a few other species, uh, ringneck ducks, dippers. Dippers are really good along the Firehole River. I uh, see a lot of dippers on that stretch in the wintertime. You'll see chickadees uh, in the geyser basins, you know, doing the same thing bison are doing along those hot pots that are exposed ground. Occasionally, you'll see snow buntings, 
You can see pine grosbeaks. So a few different species to watch for in the winter as far as birds. I think that covers all those mammals, all those animals that I wanted to talk about. A, a good list of animals to see in the wintertime. You know, in the winter, whether you're going in the, the southern side, you know, let's see Old Faithful. Well, let me mention that. If you're going to Old Faithful, bison, coyotes, bald eagles, swans are kind of what I say are the go-to ones there to look for. You, you could always see other things, but those are the the main animals. You know, I mentioned bobcats and I mentioned wolves, which are possible through that area as well. Uh, going over to Hayden, that's where the foxes, otters are added to that list. Oh, you know, I forgot along the Madison, the weasels are the best place to look for them. Uh, up north, that whole species list that I went through, I'm trying to think if there's anything that I mentioned that you want to see up that way. No, I think that's kind of the best place in general to see them. But each area provides a different habitat and kind of a unique glimpse of that animal, I guess you could say. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode. Uh, this one is a bit longer. But I think uh, went over some good information, what wildlife you can expect in the winter and kind of how they act and where to find them. And just think about tracks in the wintertime. I hope that helps. And uh, please check us out on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. And I'd love to hear any feedback that you have on the podcast. And if you have time to leave a rating on it, that would be helpful. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Titan Nature's Yellowstone. Thanks for listening to Titan Nature's Yellowstone, the podcast for those that don't get out, can't get out, or can never get enough. Keep up to date with Titan Nature and Think Tank Photo on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.